Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Hi. (laughs) Thanks. Good morning, church. It is so fun to be back with you all. You look great. Great to be here with you. Uh, As Chuck and I are planting Nova Church up in Denver, I just want to say that we are so grateful. We're so humbled by all the ways that y'all are cheering us on and supporting us. So I just want to start by saying thank you. Thank you. You have revealed uh, the goodness of Jesus to us, and we are grateful. So let's turn now to God's word together. We're continuing in the Future Jesus teaching series, and today we're going all the way to the end. Revelation 22 We're going to start in verse 1. If you want to open up your Bible or pull it up on your phone, Revelation 22, verse 1. Hear God's word. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in the scroll. Let's pray. Lord God, we are so grateful that your words are trustworthy and true, that your words can hold us, can hold up our life. And so we pray, God, this morning that you would speak the words that we need to hear to each of us as individuals and to us as a community. We pray, come Holy Spirit, your servants are listening. In Christ's name, amen. Spoiler alert. How do you feel about spoilers? Where do you fall? Are you for, are you against? Your friend is telling you about a movie that you haven't seen yet. And she says, oh, that ending, could you believe it? The dog dies and then there's this explosion and then the couple, they break up and then they run through the airport and then they get back together and then they get married and then the whole thing was a dream. And you say, I actually haven't seen it yet. How do you feel about spoilers? Do you wanna like, when someone says spoiler alert, do you wanna like jam your fingers in your ears? Like, no, 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 no. Or do you lean in? Go on. (laughs) Yes, please, tell me more. I love spoilers, personally. This drives my husband Chuck crazy, but we will be watching a movie together, sitting next to each other on the couch, and I have my phone out, Googling how the movie ends. Because here's the thing, I wanna know, does this end well? 
Like whatever tension, whatever suspense, whatever creepy music plays as the character, character goes down into the basement, I want to know, does this end well? And it's one thing if we're talking about the season finale to your favorite show or, or the twist to the movie that just came out. But what about our world? What about our, our lives? These past 16 months, we've faced this hard reality again and again and again that we are not in control. And we have seen so much pain, loss, death, this disorienting year revealing suffering and injustice. Is this going to end well? Is this story going to end well? Well, friends, today we're going all the way to the end, the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, and spoiler alert, it ends well. Beyond our wildest dreams, this most glorious future. That's where we're headed, that's where history is headed, this most glorious future in Christ. And that hope, it actually does something. That hope, it actually meets us here and now in this present moment. So three questions to guide our time together this morning. Question number one, where are we headed? Number two, are we there yet? And number three, so now what? Question number one, where are we headed? Answer, the world made new in Christ. The last chapter and the last book of the Bible shows us the restoration of our world. Now our passage, like the rest of Revelation, is full of images. And so we have to take care to understand what these images would have meant to John's first century audience, what they would have heard when they heard the words of this letter. And in the case of Revelation 22, they would have recognized allusions to scripture, namely the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. So here again, verse one and two. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And down the middle of the great, down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Friends, we peek into the future and we find a river. And that, takes us, that image takes us back to Genesis 2 verse six where God provides water. Streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground and a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. There's no life without water, we know that. Our old neighbors in Colorado Springs, Kate and Brett, they have this like gorgeous garden in their yard. Really their, their whole yard is this massive garden. And I remember one time they went out of town and so they assigned different sections of the yard to different neighbors and, and different people were to water each section. There was a lot of watering going on and I don't have anything close to a green thumb. So I was a little nervous about my assignment. I didn't want to be that kid that like kills the plants of your friends, you know? So I was kind of giving myself like this pep talk going into the week, like, Katie, you have one job. Water these plants. Water is essential for life. And in the beginning, God provides a stream which becomes a river. This river flowing through God's good creation, life flowing through God's good creation. And in the middle of the garden, there was a tree, this tree of life. In the beginning, in the garden, it's overflowing with life. The life of God. 
These images that we find in Revelation 22, they evoke the garden from Genesis. But when we get to Revelation 22, when we get to the restoration of all things, we find not a garden, but a city. Why? Why a city? Well, again, we have to go back to the beginning. God puts human beings in this garden to cultivate it, to help it to grow. But human beings are not meant to stay in the garden. No, they're to go out with God, partnering with God, creating, cultivating, enhancing God's good world. Things like cities would be built. Things like symphonies would be written. Good food and drink would be made. Culture would be created. The human job description was to use our power, our will, for good to join God in God's loving rule of creation. But, and this is where the story takes the dark turn, the, the human race, all of us, failed to fulfill the human job description. Oh, that with God thing? I'd rather do it without God. And as the first humans rebelled against God, they were banished from the garden. They're, they're cut off from the tree of life. And the curse of sin, it, it seeps into the ground. Work that was meant to be full of joy and goodness becomes hard. The curse seeps into the ground, into our relationships with God and with each other and with creation itself. And the question that, that we carry deep within our souls is can we ever get back? Can all that is lost ever be recovered? And the storyline of scripture is tracing this story the story of God's faithfulness, the story of God's loving pursuit, the story of this God who won't quit, who won't give up, who won't turn his back on his good creation. And in the fullness of time, God sends his one and only son, Jesus Christ, Jesus who is God in the flesh, shows up to do something, to rescue us. And Jesus who is fully God, he's also the true human. Jesus does what we could not do. He fulfills the human job description through his faithful life and his sacrificial death and his victorious resurrection. It's Christ who sums it all up, who brings all of God's purposes to fulfillment, who brings all of God's purposes for creation to fulfillment. We peek into the future in Revelation 22 and we see a city and we find a river, the, the water of life, life flows through that city because of what Christ has done. Light fills that city because the presence of God fills that city. Light and life all emanating from Jesus. Where are we headed? Let's be clear, Revelation 22 is not a picture of heaven or what we commonly think of as heaven. If my heart were to stop beating this morning, if I were to die, I would go to be with Jesus. I would be in the presence of the Lord. Because of what Christ has done, nothing can separate us from the love of God revealed in Christ Jesus, not even death. But that's not what Revelation 22 is talking about. It's pointing to a yet future day. The ultimate Christian hope is not going to heaven when you die, as good, as true as that is. The ultimate Christian hope is what we see in Revelation 21 and Revelation 22, heaven and earth becoming one. The life of heaven fully invading this redeemed creation, this world, this creation that God called good, not cast aside, not discarded, but re renewed. 
I want you to hear again these words from Revelation 22, verse three. It says, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. Did you hear that? We're headed to a day, there's a future day when the curse of sin will be no more, that the pain that we all carry, living in a broken world, will be no more. It's, it's hard to wrap our minds around that. It's hard to imagine that. No more alienation from God. No more broken systems, broken families, broken hearts. No more abuse of power, racism, misogyny, violence, oppression, greed, poverty, depression, deprivation, loneliness, war, mental illness, isolation, sickness, death, sin itself. One day, no more. We're headed to a day when we will never again hear the words, I'm so sorry, but it's cancer. We're headed to a future, a future day in Christ when we will never again wake up to the news of another mass shooting or devastating earthquake. So part of what I wanna say this morning is just take a deep breath. Take heart. We are headed to a day when the curse will be no more. God will do it. Christ is not finished. We will spend eternity in a renewed earth, heaven and earth made one. But wait, there's more. Verse four, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. We will see his face. When Christ returns, God will make his dwelling among us and we will see his face. Now we see a reflection in a mirror, then we will see face to face. Now I know partially, then I will know completely, even as I have been completely known. God's presence, this life-giving, transforming presence of Jesus will fill all in all, and the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Where are we headed, church? The world made new in Christ. So second question for us this morning, are we there yet? I wanna call this the road trip question. You know this question, the question that starts about two minutes after you pull out of your driveway, give or take, and then just continues on all the way until you get to your destination. Are we there yet? Revelation 22 points to the restoration of our earth. Heaven and earth made one. God's dwelling among us. The curse of sin no more. Are we there yet? Well, did anyone get in a fight with your kids this morning? Or your roommate? Or your dog? Did anyone have troubles signing online this morning? Has anyone read the news this morning? Are we there yet? and we're waiting a future day. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting for God to act, we're waiting for God to do what only God can do, for God to keep his word, for God to keep every one of his promises. Are we there yet? No. And yet, something new has begun in Jesus. Christ came proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom, of his reign, the good news, heads up, it's in your midst, and Jesus, in Jesus, heaven and earth meet. The life of heaven is touching down on earth. And all that would threaten to undo God's good creation, God's purposes, Jesus takes it all head on on the cross. And in his death, defeats sin 
evil death. The lamb that was slain, that's what John keeps calling Jesus, the lamb, the lamb that was slain. Can all that is lost ever be recovered? Yes, but only through the lamb, only through the lamb. And then three days later, Jesus walked out of the tomb. Jesus walks out of the tomb. Everything changes. Happy Easter, by the way. (laughs) Everything changes. Death no longer gets the last word. And the Spirit of God has been poured out. Christ ascended. He's in charge. Spirit pours out on all God's sons and daughters the guarantee of all that is to come, the first deposit of all that is to come. Something new, something gloriously new has begun in Jesus. The life of new creation, it's here. The life of God can flow through you. Come all who are thirsty. It's here, but it's not yet here. It's already and it's not yet. And how do we wrap our minds around that? Here's how I've heard it explained. We just commemorated Juneteenth, this holiday celebrating when slaves in Texas finally heard the good news that they were free. Now the Emancipation Proclamation issued by President Abraham Lincoln became official January 1st, 1863. But the Civil War continued for two more years. And then there was even more of a delay, and it was not until June 19, 1865, when Union soldiers arrived in Galveston, Texas, that the slaves in Texas finally heard the good news that they were free, some two and a half years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. And even at that point, they were still slaves. They were still slaves in some Union states, and the struggle for freedom and justice and equality continued. You see, a victory was achieved, but it was not yet realized. In a like manner, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, new creation has been unleashed. It's the beginning of God's new world. And yet, we're waiting for a future day. We're longing for a future day when God's victory will fully be here, fully realized. Right now it's hidden, we see it in glimpses, we see it in part, certainly in unexpected ways, certainly in upside down sort of ways as we follow a crucified savior. It's already and not yet. I want you to hear these words from a Presbyterian statement from the 1970s. Hope gives us courage for the struggle. The people of God have often misused God's promises as excuses for doing nothing about present evils. But in Christ, the new world has already broken in and the old can no longer be tolerated. We know our efforts cannot bring in God's kingdom, but hope plunges us into the struggle for victories over evil that are possible now in the world, the church, and our individual lives. Hope gives us courage and energy to contend against all opposition, however invincible it may seem, for the new world and the new humanity that are surely coming. Jesus is Lord. He has been Lord from the beginning. He will be Lord at the end. Even now, he's Lord. Hope gives us courage. Hope gives us energy. So now our final question, question number three. So now what? I used to think that we would spend eternity singing worship songs. 
Like there was this uh, old praise song called I Could Sing of Your Love Forever. Like maybe that song, just on repeat. <laughs> Endless loop, once more from the top. But what do, we, what do we see in Revelation 22? Well, verse five, it says, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. They will reign forever and ever. Who's they? Well, it's us. It's the church. It's the redeemed body of Christ. This speaks to the human job description. We were made to join God in what God's doing, to join God and his loving rule. And in the world to come, the life that is to come, that's our task with joy to partner with God, to reign, to rule over God's renewed creation. And here and now, we're learning what it means to partner with God's work in us and around us and in our city and in our world. We're becoming a new sort of people the river of the Holy Spirit flowing through us, the life of God flowing through us, light and life for the city. Author and speaker Michael Frost likens our role here and now to that of a movie trailer. So think about going to a movie theater. Remember uh, movie theaters? <laughs> you go to a movie theater and if you get there in time, before the movie starts, you see the previews. They go on for about 30 minutes <laughs> and you see all the previews and the point of the preview, of course, is to give you a sample of the film, to give you a glimpse of the film. And after the previews play, you might hear someone say, I wanna see that movie. I wanna see that movie. And Frost says that our role as the church here and now is to give little glimpses in our life together, to give a preview of the life of the world to come. And our worship together as we lift up the name of Jesus and, and how we treat each other, extending grace and forgiveness and how we care for the poor and stand up for the oppressed. And the tables we set, the meals we share together, giving a preview of the life that is to come. And we're praying in all of this that our neighbors, that our friends, that the people of Colorado Springs would say, I want to see the world that they come from. And all of this, we're trusting that Jesus is present and at work, that life is breaking in here and now, and we're invited to be a part of it. Friends, we're not building sandcastles on the beach waiting to come and wash it all away. No, what we do here and now matters. What you do here and now, what you're gonna do tomorrow, this week, it matters. That's part of what it means to be light and life for the city. Because we see that city in Revelation 22, we see that light fills the city, that life fills the city. And we see that in that city, no one is estranged from God. We see in that city that there are no empty bellies. There is no mistreatment of women or abuse of children or injustices committed against people of color. We see in that city there are no refugee camps. There's no loneliness, there's no isolation, and, and beauty fills that city. The best of human culture, what is good and noble, fills that city, and the worship of Jesus rises up in that city. And church, if that's the future ahead of us, if that's the city that we belong to, then we begin to anticipate that here and now. We run around telling people about Jesus, the good news of Jesus' love for them, the good news that Jesus is Lord, 
Come all who are thirsty. We feed the hungry, we seek justice, we build amazing cities, we make beautiful things. We open up our homes, we seek the good of the people around us. We show up using our gifts, we draw near to the hurting. We stand in the hard places crying out, how long, O oh Lord, how long? Here and now we experience in our own lives the transforming presence of Jesus. If that's the city we belong to, if that's where we're headed, you know what? We also can take a nap because it's not riding on us, is it? No, we're joining in in what God is doing. We're headed to a day when the life-giving, transforming presence of Jesus is gonna fill everything. Then we can begin to embody that good news here and now, light and life for the city. I was traveling a couple weeks ago with my family and the airline that we were flying on, South, Southwest Airlines, had computer troubles. You don't really ever wanna hear that. <laughs> and so our, our flight was delayed and then we got on the plane and we pulled away from the gate and then something happened and we had to go back to the gate. <laughs> so close. And I remember as we were like going back to the gate, I just had this thought like, we are never going to get to Denver. <laughs> we are never gonna get there. This is my reality. Row 35, seat C, this is it. This two-year-old next to me, this is it, forever and ever. I was getting very, maybe cynical, very dramatic. <laughs> and it's interesting because these computer glitches, it was affecting flights all over the country. And so I'm imagining just thousands of travelers all over the country wondering, are we ever gonna get there? Are we ever gonna arrive? I think when we read words like we find in Revelation 22, and these amazing promises, this picture of the future, we can wonder, really? Are we ever gonna get there? Are these just pretty words? Think about these past 16 months. We've walked through incredible pain and loss, so much devastation. Are we really ever gonna get there? If it feels like I'm being confronted with despair and hope, can I actually choose hope? Will we ever get to a day when we hear a loud voice from the throne say, look, God's dwelling is now among his people and he's gonna wipe every tear from their eyes. My friends, these words that we find in Revelation are trustworthy and true. Future Jesus holds the life of the world to come, the life that you were made for the life that is surely coming. These words are trustworthy and true. Jesus will do it. The same Jesus who holds the life of the world to come holds your life. You belong to him. And so when it feels like we're being confronted with despair and hope, we can choose hope. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray, we pray together that you would confirm this truth in our hearts all over again. That our future is secure, that you control our destinies. Would you give us courage? Would you give us energy? And yes, where we need rest today, would you give us rest? That we trust Jesus, that you will do it. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.